You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 70. Hey guys, happy Monday. I have a really cool episode this week. So this week I recorded with my friend Shayna, and Shayna is on Instagram as a love after baby. She has a pretty cool Instagram page. I found her recently um, and started following her. So she is a licensed therapist, and she has a lot of experience with women going through changes. So with that being her specialty, she obviously um, has a lot of clients or worked with a lot of clients who are moms because uh, becoming a mom is a big life change, right? And one of the common problems, common themes that she recognized that was very prevalent was issues with partners. And I think we all know that to be true if you've had a baby. Um, Having a baby can put a lot of stress and cause a lot of conflict with your partner. So her Instagram page, Love After Baby, is kind of just all about this. It's about, it's giving like quick tips and she has a lot of infographics and just a lot of quick little, cute little tips and information about how to connect with your partner after having a baby, tips on how to strengthen your relationship, just overall, lots of feel good stuff on her page. I I love her page. So naturally, when I found her page, I wanted to have her on the podcast because I think this is something that so many of us can resonate with and need help with is just connecting with our spouses or partners or husbands or boyfriends, anybody after having a baby. So she came on today and she talked about some common reasons why couples argue after having babies, some tips on connecting with your partner after baby's here. We talked about being touched out, if you're familiar with that term. We talked about love languages and lots of other cool stuff. So I was really excited to have her on. I think this is a really, really great episode that a lot of people are going to love. So let's get right into it. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Umbilical cord care, tummy time, feeding, diapers, Ah, your newborn baby isn't going to come with a manual, but I created newborn basics to be the closest thing possible. Mama, I want to help you transition into motherhood with confidence and ease. Prepare for the newborn days before you're due. Head over to mommylabornurse.com slash newborn basics to learn more. Hi, Shana. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Liesl. Excited to be here to chat a bit and um, share some tips with the moms who are listening. Yeah. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family, where you're from, anything you want to add? <laughs> sure. So hi, everybody. I'm Shana, and I am a licensed therapist, relationship coach, and mom of two little girls. I was born and raised in Miami Beach, and I was living in New York for the last uh, seven years or so, I'd say, with my husband and our two daughters. Our second daughter was born right before COVID started, literally like two weeks, and she was actually two weeks early. So her due date was like the day before they announced that schools would be closing. Oh, wow. I was very grateful that she decided to come early. Yeah. And... um, we actually moved to three months into COVID, even though we had literally just moved. Um, we actually moved into a new condo from the hospital when I had our second because we thought we were moving two weeks before due date. Oh, God. And um, we decided we were going to be there a few years, and then COVID happened, and we just totally uh, changed our plans and moved down to Miami to be near my family, being that, you know, it's. Um, a lot more like family here and yeah. with COVID, like the more family you have around, the more support you have, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, really makes a difference. And I think a lot of people had similar situations. I know that many clients that I work with moved as well during COVID. 
Yeah. So I started out working in private practice very early on as soon as I was able to, because as a mom, it was great to have my own schedule and flexibility and be able to, if my daughter had a show at school back when they had parents come in for those kind of things, Mm -hmm. I could, you know, not plan clients that day. And so very early on, I went private and I specialized in women going through life transitions, which, you know, obviously many moms came in and, Typically, their issues were about things like new moms had things like postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, different things like that. But a lot of them also shared that they were struggling with certain shifts in their relationships that were not a struggle before the baby came. And a lot of them were ones that I related to from when I had my first. And then some other moms coming in were moms who are on the flip side of raising kids and were getting ready to deal with being empty nesters, the kids going off to college and not sure what they're going to do with their lives since they were stay-at-home moms for the last 18 years. Yeah. And one mom I remember saying to me, like, I'm kind of nervous to be with my husband once the kids leave because I have nothing to do with him other than being co-parents for the last 18 years. Mm-hmm. And I realized that somewhere in this in-between space from when they become new moms to when the kids are going off to college, there's this t- deterioration and breakdown in the relationships that happens if you're not intentional. And instead of waiting for it to get to the point where you're complete strangers who have just been cohabiting and co-parenting for the last two decades, how can we be more intentional and work on the relationship from the beginning so that that breakdown never gets to that point? And how can you appear if that breakdown has already started and set in? And that's when Love After Baby was born. Yeah. Well, that's so awesome. And I feel like I resonate with everything you just said. So when did you start your page? Uh, The Love After Baby side of it, I think, is just over a year old at this point. Okay. Yeah. I had um, been like trying to figure out what I wanted to specialize in. And initially it was like women's transitions. I was thrive yeah. and shine wellness, which was like this idea in my head of eventually one day having this like physical group where there's all different professionals who cater to moms and women's wellness. So like massage therapists, um, physical mm-hmm. therapists, all that kind of stuff in one place. And mm-hmm. Then, you know, we get in like messages from the universe a lot of the time of like what direction we're supposed to go in. And Mm -hmm. I was seeing all these things in my practice around the same time with moms and relationships. And around that same time in a mom group I was in on Facebook, there was a mom who posted that she was 11 weeks postpartum. So granted, she still had a lot of hormones going through her, but she shared how she was struggling with her baby sleeping she took her baby to go on a walk and sorry, on a drive. And she was driving around and finally got the baby to sleep. And she's like, I don't know if I want to go home to my husband. It's not that he did anything wrong. I know I have nothing bad to say about him. I just don't know if I love him anymore. And so many moms started commenting, been there. I know exactly what you're going through. Um, You know, I can relate, blah, blah, blah. Like lots of people being supportive in terms of like, we were there too. But nobody sharing anything like, you know, it's totally normal, but it can get better or, you know, no like actual support other than been there, which is great at times. Sometimes we just want to feel heard. But I felt like she was also looking for some more. And Mm -hmm. I wrote that as a wife, mom, and therapist – I can tell you that there are so many like good reasons for why you're feeling this way, but I also want to let you know that if you do care about this relationship and you want it to work, it doesn't mean like this relationship is done with. If you're more intentional and do certain things, you can work on it and make it better again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I'm in love with your page. I just found it. I don't how long ago was it? Not not too long ago. Um, I can't even remember who shared you. Maybe it was Mallory. I don't know. But I found it and I was just like, this is so great. So I had to have you on the podcast. So I'm super excited to talk to you today, Shana. Um, so this next question uh, kind of, I guess, transitions into, into everything we're going to you know, be talking about. So what as a therapist, what are some of the most common reasons 
uh, that you see why couples argue or disconnect after having babies. We've already kind of a little bit talked about it, but what would you say? I mean, I'm sure it's stress and not getting enough sleep and just a whole lot of uh, things that I can think of personally (laughs) of why my husband and I argue. Yeah. So like one of the big ones is exhaustion and yeah. we end up feeling resentful. And you know that that commercial that was out, I forget for which chocolate bar, but like you're not you when you're hungry. So you're yeah. not you when you're tired. Yeah. The Snickers. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not you when you're tired. And yeah. naturally when we have little babies, especially in the beginning, we're dealing with a lot of shifts. There's so much unknown. It's overwhelming. We're not getting sleep. Many moms are not nourishing themselves properly in the beginning. Like I know when I had my first, I wouldn't eat breakfast till like one in the afternoon because I would wake up in the morning and like nurse her and fall back asleep when she would fall back asleep. And then when she woke up again, then I would like nurse her and change her and then shower and then go down and like finally make breakfast Mm -hmm. for myself. Um, We're just so tired and we don't make ourselves a priority. And, um, so there's all these different things that we're not taking care of our basic physical needs. And so we're very, very easily ticked off by things. We're very easily triggered by things. And a lot of times there is more on our plates than we see our partners dealing with. And our schedules do change more than our partners because, if you know, especially if you're breastfeeding, then that mm-hmm. physically ties you down to the baby, or you have to sit there and pump me and pump for them, which it's great that we're able to pump, but it's another thing that we need to do. And oh, it's yeah. not that we don't, you know, appreciate being able to do these things. It's not that we don't love our babies, not we don't love being a mom, but there is also a part of us that misses certain freedoms we had and misses certain things we didn't have to do and flexibility. And that doesn't, they don't contradict each other. You're allowed to feel both things at the same time. Mm-hmm. But then because we don't see our partner's responsibilities shifting as much as ours, we can sometimes feel really resentful. And a lot of times in our heads, we think to ourselves that like, we want to ask them to do something or we want help with something. And I'm sure you've experienced this because I think almost everyone has where mentally you send someone like a text message sometimes. And then like later on, you're going to text them or like weeks later, you're going to text them about something and you realize you never sent that message that in your mind you sent. So we do that all the time with our partners. Like we have a conversation with them in our head or in our head, we're like wanting them to do something, but we never actually said it. Mm -hmm. And we still, we still on a certain level feel like we said it. So when they don't respond because they don't know what we're thinking, they don't read our minds, we feel like we're ignored. We feel like we're in it alone. We feel not supported. So there's a lot of negative feelings there. And then another part, which is not necessarily arguments, but it's a part of disconnection is moms feel overstimulated, touched out, needed out, all these different things. And so they can have much less desire to be intimate, to, you know, have that one-on-one time with their partners and really be there because if they're not actually dealing with the baby, they just want to tune out from everything or sleep. And Mm -hmm. so they're not having these meaningful moments of connection. So there's those two parts that play a role. And I always tell my clients not fighting with each other and not arguing and like not having negative interactions is one piece to having a good relationship. But Mm -hmm. the other piece is also connecting. It's also having meaningful, positive moments. A lack of negatives is not enough. You also have to have positives. Yeah. Well, I mean that I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I'm in a therapist session (laughs) with my own therapist. (laughs) This is just, you're talking about my life. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're all, we all deal with the same things in different ways and different levels. And I know sometimes like I'm saying something even in a session and I'm like, Mm -hmm. Hmm, uh, this doesn't work quite well with what happened yesterday. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Oh man. Yeah. It's just, it's so relatable. Well, okay. Let's talk about some like actionable tips. Do you have any tips for connecting with your partner? Like once baby's here or maybe stuff that we can do pre-baby? Sure. 
And I love practical, tangible tips. I love things that are simple, (laughs) quick, and easy because as moms, we got too much on our minds. We like want to be told, here's what you do when you do it. And that's actually a tip for you that when you want something from your partner, be as specific as possible. Everybody likes to know exactly what and when. The more specific you can be, the better. If you tell them like, can you get this done this week? It's very different than saying, can you get this done by tomorrow or by Wednesday? Because otherwise next week is very like fluid. What is next week? Like it's going to come to Saturday and it's not done. So being as specific as possible is one tip. But the biggest tip I'll give you now, especially if you're pre-baby, is start instituting a weekly date night. Make it a habit, make it a priority, because then it'll be easier to maintain it once the baby comes along because you're in the habit of doing that. Yeah. It's easy before we have a baby to have lots of spontaneous moments of connection because we don't have many responsibilities to other people other than work. Right. But once the baby comes, we cannot be as spontaneous anymore. And if we're not intentional about making that time, it's just not going to happen. It's kind of like when you tell yourself, like, you're going to get to a project and then months later, you're like, oh, I didn't do it, but I'll get to it when I have time. I'll get to it when I have time. That happens all the time with like couples with date night. Unless you make it something that's scheduled, it's not going to happen. And especially as parents, once the baby does come, it's important to know that that date night doesn't have to be something grand, like going out to a steakhouse and getting all dressed up. It could be a stay at home date night. It could be, you know, making your favorite meal together and sitting at the table without your phones and just sitting and chatting and eating delicious food. It could yeah. be watching a comedy together have, with some popcorn. It could be playing a board game if you like those. It could be yeah. listening to a podcast together. There are so many things you can do even once the baby's around. And I've even had like moms ask, what if my baby won't sleep unless I'm holding them? And if your baby's in that stage where they really won't, do your stay-at-home date night while baby wearing. Or like yeah. go somewhere in the car if your baby sleeps in the car seat and just sit yeah, in the car. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they do drive-in movie theaters these days. Um, you know, I think, they, I think they're actually kind of starting them again because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a really good one because, yeah. My, I, uh, my second one is not a car seat lover, but my first one was definitely a car seat lover. Right. And like thinking of how awesome that would have been if yeah. I could go back like, oh, that's a perfect date. Yeah. And I know so many moms say that like my baby's a terrible sleeper, but they'll like go on a drive to get the baby yeah. a nap. So that can yeah. be a good option. Yeah. Um, so that's one. Make sure that like date night actually happens and have yeah. that meaningful, intentional moment of connection once a week. If one week you don't have time to make it into like a full thing, just make sure you had even like 20 minutes, like one-on-one to really connect. I love it. I love it. Well, let's, as we're talking about date night, let's go into this next question about conversation starters. So you've done a post on this and I've seen it on your Instagram and I loved it. Um, Can you give us some of these conversation starters that, uh, that you posted in your post or any way you want to add. Um, and also like, why is it that it's so hard sometimes to talk about things that are like, not about your children? Like, why is that so hard? <laughs> Cause yeah. I, I struggle with that too. Yeah. So it's really natural that we jump to talking about the kids because they are a huge part of our lives. Yeah. They're a huge part of our lives as individuals, but then as a couple, we think like this is one of the biggest things that we've done together. Like we brought a human into the world. We're raising a human together. And naturally you want to share so many things about them. Like, oh, we're so lucky to have such a cute kid or we're so blessed that our baby is healthy Um, or this is so cute that our baby started doing recently. And those are great conversations to have. That not mm-hmm. saying that it's like there's no space for that, but it's also important to remember that you were a couple before the baby came and that you're going to be a couple once the kids are out of the house. Yeah. So you don't want your entire relationship to start becoming about the kids because then you end up in that space where when the kids are going off to college, like your daily conversation is going to be like, oh, did you speak to Samantha? Um, right. What's going on with her? And then like, what do you talk about? And right. it's also important to know your partner's inner world as individuals. This actually ties into something that John Gotten calls love maps, 
which mm-hmm. your love maps is your knowledge and understanding of your partner, the different things about them it can be really small things like what's their favorite color to really big things like what's the what's the biggest thing they want to accomplish in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so having these conversations with them and talking to them about different things gives you more insight into what matters to them, what's important to them, what they think about, uh, just really helps you connect as two individuals outside of just parenting. And when you are discussing these things, sometimes you learn something new about each other. And then you also make each other feel like understood and heard because you're the closest person to your partner in this, you know, lifetime, hopefully. You're the ones who can rely on each other for push comes to shove. You go through every major experience together. You're there for each other and you really want to know each other and what's going on. So some things might be past experiences that you might never have spoken about. Like what's the most embarrassing thing that, that happened to you as a kid? And, Mm -hmm. you know, those are just funny memories and it just gives you more insight into your partner and we can always learn something new. Even if you think, oh, I know them so well, your partner likely went through a couple decades without you. And there's so many little things that happen every single day that you may not know about. You know about some big things that stand out, but you don't necessarily know about every single experience. I mean, I learn something new all the time because we'll like pass somebody and they'll say, oh, like that guy I went to school with and this was something funny that happened. And that's not necessarily a memory that he's going to thought to share with me while we were dating or during our marriage because it never came up. But it just gives me a little bit more insight into him and his experiences. Oh, yeah. It's like infinite. I'm trying to think of like... My husband and I have these, they're like little, I don't, I couldn't even tell you who, who makes them, but they're like little cards that are exactly these like little conversation starters that we'll pull out every, every so often if we're in the mood and, you know, the kids are in bed and we're just in that mood to, to talk to each other and, and learn some new things about each other. And yeah, it's crazy. Like, I mean, I've been with him for 11 now I'm like not even remember 11 2000 is it 2020 almost 12 years and we're in 2021 now these, <laughs> yeah you go through some of these cards and you're like how the, I I don't know these things about you it's like it's kind of crazy but it, it's so fun to learn new things and like I mean I think you're right it's so true that they lived a you know a few decades without you but there's also so much time that I'm not with my husband through the day. I was going to say there's experiences even now that happen. And there's also things that evolve. Like maybe when you got together, they had a certain hobby or they had a certain aspiration or something like that. But that could have changed based on other life circumstances. I mean, I know myself, like things have definitely shifted for me. Um, What vision I have career wise, let's say, from when I was dating my husband till now. I've gone through so many shifts. I started private practice. I specialized in women going through life transitions. I shifted into moms in their relationships. I shifted into wanting to um, work less with moms one-on-one and then be able to support them on a larger scale and all these kind of things. And another, you know, I have other things that I have in the works that I want to do. So things have shifted over time and things have shifted for my husband career wise as well. And like what he does and what his aspirations are. And so it's important to check in with each other and see what's shifted for you. Like, where's your head at? What's important to you? Because those things can change over time based on different experiences and circumstances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. All right. Well, let's I'm going to skip over the touched out question. We're going to talk about that. I think last, if we can get to that, because I think we're, we're, we're going into the love languages. I want to talk about love languages. Sure. Um, So we, I've read that book, the five love love languages. And so has my husband and we absolutely love that book. So I wanted to know if you also love that book and you (laughs) know anything, I'm sure you do know it. Yeah. I'm sure you've read it before. Um, So I wanted to know if you were a fan of that and if you have any insight on love languages and how that kind of ties into everything becoming a mom. Cause I know there's child love languages too. I haven't actually read that one, but um, I know that 
I just, I'm a huge fan of the Love Languages book. So shout out to, to that book. And everyone listening needs to read that book, I think. Yeah. So I actually love the Love Languages. I read it yeah. even before becoming a therapist. Okay. And um, maybe I was in school at the time when I read it. Like I wasn't fully practicing, but I was in school already. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many amazing concepts in that book that just help put things in different perspectives. So the first thing that I want to bring up, the question I get a lot from couples is, if we have different primary love languages, does that mean we're a mismatch? And not at all. The point of knowing what your partner's love language is, is so that you can be more intentional about putting in efforts for them Mm -hmm. into showing them love in their love language. And that doesn't mean that every single interaction you have with them has to be in their primary love language, but it's about being intentional that at least a couple times a week, you're doing something for them that falls within the category of their love language. Right. And then the other times you can show them love in whatever way comes natural to you. It's just going to have to take more intention to show love in a way that's not necessarily your primary love language. And it's a learning game. Sometimes you're going to, you know, do really well at it. Sometimes you're not going to, but then in knowing what each other's love languages are, you can also then tune in to appreciate like, oh, that was them showing me love. Maybe that's not something that really matters to me, but they did that because I matter to them. And this is something that matters to them. And that's how they naturally show love. So it makes you appreciate it even when they're not expressing love in your love language, you notice more that, oh, they're doing this thing that falls within their love language and they're expressing love in their own way. So it helps two ways. It helps you appreciate that they're expressing love in their way. It also helps you be more intentional about showing, showing them love in their way. Then on the, on the second point I want to make on that is that love languages can shift based on stage of life. So for me, acts of service was pretty down there. Um, It was not high up on my list before I became a mom. It was always high for my husband. Like he really appreciates when somebody does something for him. People going out of their way to do something for him makes him feel loved and appreciated. It makes him feel like, okay, they cared enough to do this. And I had to learn how to implement that a little bit more. And I appreciated that he did things for me, but it didn't mean as much to me as it did to him. And then after becoming a mom, acts of service has really meant a lot more. I don't know necessarily that it means more than my previous primary love languages, but it got pretty high up there too because since my time and abilities and schedule and routines and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all shifted, I now appreciate more if someone can go out of their way to do something for me. Like if you know, if he makes dinner, so I don't have to, because I'm really exhausted after like nursing and putting the baby to bed. That's a huge thing for me, which I appreciated before, but now it means more. So your love languages can shift a little bit depending on your stage of life. Yeah. And I totally resonate with that because the exact same thing happened to me. I was quality time. I'm still definitely quality time, but I was much less acts of service before I became a mom. And now it's like, yeah, if you can, if you can, uh, uh, speak my acts of service, love language, like that's, that's my, that's my love language right now. It can get some stuff done around the house. Then I love you. (laughs) Exactly. Or like have to pick something up from a store and like going into a store with a kid is a whole new experience. And like, you can't just run in and out. So you know, having him stop by the store to get something on his way home instead of me having to go get it is a huge thing for me. Yep. Yep. I love it. I love it. Well, Mm. let's talk about one of them. One of the love languages is words of affirmation, right? Yes. Words Mm -hmm. of affirmation. Um, So this next question is just oftentimes I think I think we just have couples just have issues with not being appreciated after they have babies. So do you have any advice on appreciation? Yeah, definitely. I love appreciation and admiration because they are what's called the antidote to feeling resentful towards yourself. We get resentful because we're focused on what they're not doing and how much we are doing, et cetera. 
So when we tune into a little bit more of the things that they are doing, because there's always something, then we can can like get rid of the resentment a little bit. So one practical tip that I share with my clients, and I think I've shared this on my page too, but there's so much stuff in there that things get lost, Mm -hmm. uh, is to have a shared note with your partner. So like on iPhone or Google Docs, and every day jot down one thing that you appreciate or admire about them. It could be something general or could be something specific that came to mind that day or that they did that day. And this does a few things. First of all, it like makes you feel a little connected as you're writing it. It makes you view your partner more positively because you are writing something positive about them. So you're naturally going to have more positive feelings as you're writing this. Yeah. And then it makes them feel seen and appreciated when they read it. Mm -hmm. And it also encourages them to do more because when you feel like someone sees and appreciates what you're doing, you want to do more of it. So it's really helpful for both of you, for you to view them more positively and feel better and for them to feel seen and appreciated and encouraged to do more, which then also helps you that they're doing more. So it's a win-win. And it doesn't take more than a few minutes a day. Like I tell clients, if it takes more than five minutes, just write something really simple. It doesn't have to be something grand. It could be as simple as like, they brought me coffee to bed or they grabbed me a drink when we were eating dinner. So just noticing those small things, it's kind of like gratitude journaling where once you start noticing these little things, you notice more and more. Mm -hmm. And it's also a nice thing to have if you're having a rough day or you feel like, oh, they don't even care about me. You can open this note and be like, oh, look at all these positive moments and things that they did and things they wrote about me. I love that. That's so great. Cause I'm think at first when you started saying it, I was like thinking that it was a one time, but you're saying just go in there and, and basically make a list and like, just share that. Okay. No. So meaning like keep it as a shared digital note yeah. that you go yeah. into once a day. Yeah. I love it. And then it's exciting it. also. Like when you go in there, when you see what they added. Yeah. I love it. Well, we're going to start doing that. That's a great idea. All right. Well, let's talk about winning and losing because, and one-upping because that I feel like is super common too, just with parenting. We, we play that game too, and we know that we do. And it's just, it's hard. I'm sure that goes along with resentment as well. So do you have any advice on just the issue of like feeling like i I went, I won this or you lost this or I'm better than you on this or not that, you know, that whole yeah. fight that is, that is common, unfortunately, when you become a parent. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. A hundred percent. We naturally do this. We start calculating what we did or didn't do, which like you said, ties into the resentment. And there's a line that I love when it comes to this, which is when one of you wins, everyone loses. Yeah. Because if one of you is having the upper hand and the other person was wrong, the other person feels bad, which is then destructive to your relationship. So what's more important here? Like you're stroking your own ego and knowing that you were right or having a positive partnership, relationship, love, and collaboration, et cetera. So there's so many reasons why it's not a great thing to do. And we're often biased. I mean, we are biased when we think about what we did and what they didn't do because Mm -hmm. we're viewing it from our perspective. Whereas if we Mm -hmm. spoke to them and heard them out, not always, but often there may be little things they did that we didn't notice, or maybe they had no idea we were doing certain things because we just go about doing them. And we don't, uh, that's not necessarily to say like, you have to make a whole presentation every time you do something, but you know, you have to tune into the fact that there's a lot of parts that they don't see, or they don't necessarily know. 
And Mm -hmm. something that we do this just, this is just going to make a little side note on, we often do something called maternal gatekeeping, which Mm -hmm. is when we like something done a certain way, or we think the way that we do it is right. And so then if our partner tries to do it a different way, we right away go to correct them or tell them how they're doing it wrong. And then they feel discouraged from doing it again. So they don't help the next time around. And then we feel annoyed that they're not helping. So that's a separate thing to work on. But with keeping score, it's important to try to understand each other. So try to understand what they think they're doing, what they're struggling with, um, what was something that was intentional, what was something that was situational. Remember that a lot of times things are based on circumstance and it's not like your partner intentionally didn't want to help you or intentionally wanted to like do something against you. It was a circumstance. And then try to focus on solving it with them. So talk about things that they can do to help you with, again, being as specific as possible. And a little activity that I tell couples to do with this is sit down, and this isn't like a weekly thing. This is a one-time kind of thing, but then you every so often check in to see how it's going and what's shifted. Mm-hmm. Write down every single thing that needs to get done in your lives, in your home, with the kids, with each other. And then go over it together. And you're doing this together because you want them to know what's going on. And also you want them to take ownership of it as opposed to feeling like, oh, Liesl told me I should do this. Right. So you want them to be involved. And then together, look at everything that has to get done and be like, okay, this makes sense for me to do. This makes sense for you to do. And these things make sense for us to get family to help with or maybe hire help for etc. And that's going to be different for everybody, depending on like your lifestyle, your budget, but it's about figuring out what works best for you. Like I know sometimes people have a full-time cleaning lady. Some people can't get a full-time cleaning lady, but they'll hire somebody to come in once a week to fold the laundry because that takes a big task off their plate. We ha- I was just going inter- to interrupt you for a second, but that is a, a side note of the cleaning lady. We have, we've had a cleaning lady for, uh, since before we were married. And that was something that our, uh, we went to like pr- the, we did like premarital counseling mm-hmm. and that was something that she said, cause that's, a- that was an argument that we had all the time is, uh, we didn't want to clean the bathrooms or we didn't want to scrub. You know, it was like, just, we fight about the, the household stuff. And my, and the therapist said, uh, well, you know, you and your husband, like you guys make, you know, you're not like pinching pennies. Like you, you know, could you afford to hire like somebody who comes in and cleans your house, you know, every two weeks or once a month. And we both looked at each other and we were like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. I never even thought of it. And yeah, it's that. I'll tell you what, like that makes such a difference in yeah. just our daily, weekly, like I know my cleaning ladies come in this week and I'm like, woohoo. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I know like we, when we first got our apartment, that used to be one of the things that we had a hard time with because yep. I grew up with both my parents always working. And so yep. my mom had cleaning help like two or three times a week coming in. And I'm the youngest of eight. So my mom didn't always have that with her earlier kids. She had to do a lot more on her own. But as the kids grew up and they were able to hack it financially a little bit more, she did start getting more help because she just couldn't do it all herself. So by the time I grew up, that's what I was used to. Like there was somebody there two or three days a week. And then my husband grew up where his mom only started working once he and his siblings were all at school a full day. And Mm -hmm. so, and I think even then she only worked a half a day. So he was used to seeing his mom doing everything around the house. So in his Mm -hmm. mind, like the mom does the stuff. Yeah. In my mind. We had that argument too. (laughs) Yeah. And in my mind, like it wasn't like the mom does the stuff, but I also wasn't assuming that like I'm getting a cleaning lady from day one to come in. So what we ended up doing was we got a friend in our building and we shared somebody one day a week that we got a half day and they got a half day. And that took care of like the heavy duty cleaning. And then we each like pitched in in different areas and doing different things. So you have to find that balance that works for you. And sometimes there's like really simple solutions that could work for you and you just don't tune into them. So 
if something is within your ability to like get help for or ask a family member to pitch in with, then do that. Yeah. And it don't have to do it all. That's, yeah. I mean, that's like the name of the game, man. Yeah. And I remember, um, I remember reading something where I can't remember where I read it, but she was saying how that she can't stand it when different celebrities or whatever kind of just say how they do it all as a mom and mm-hmm. are just saying how like, oh, I'm, I'm really good at managing my time. As good as you are at managing your time, you cannot have a full blown career and a bunch of kids at home and a huge house if you and your partner are both working full time without right. any help. It's impossible. It, it yes, truly. I, and yes, that's like, I'm like, you're talking about my life. I don't have a ton of kids, but yeah, it's like I, I constantly, and that's an issue that I talk to my therapist about all the time is that I constantly try to do it all. And I constantly feel like I'm failing because I'm not doing it all, but it's, it's just the truth that like, you just can't, it's impossible, Liesl. You can't do it all. Yeah. And then we end up hurting ourselves and our yep. relationships because we start feeling worn out, burnt out. We then can't show up as ourselves to our relationships. Our relationships end up getting the scraps because we feel like what happens is we feel like our little humans need us. They are depending on us. We have to keep them alive and safe and dressed and fed. And in our minds, our partners, they're adults. They could fend for themselves. But on the inside, they are still like children who need our care and affection and we need it from them. Sometimes we need it more. Sometimes they need it more. But what happens is a lot of times with kids, we put our relationship on the back burner, but that ends up making our relationship suffer, which then also makes our kids suffer because for kids, when their parents don't have a healthy, loving relationship, it affects them in a lot of different ways from not from like on the small side of it is not having a healthy relationship modeled for them. So then they bring their own issues into their future Mm -hmm. relationships because they think this is how a relationship works. Mm -hmm. But to the big end of things is that a lot of times kids can feel like their safety is threatened because their parents aren't doing well and not safety necessarily like they're going to be physically harmed, but more like they don't have this emotional security that their home is stable. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Well, let's do this last question. Do you have any advice on being touched out? And for those of you, well, just explain, I guess, exactly what being touched out is. Cause I guess, cause before I, like, I didn't, I, I was experiencing it and then I learned what it was and I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Why? Yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> I like am the, feeling this way. Yeah. It's like when you're reading like something in a magazine and you're yeah. like, oh, I have this. I didn't That's know there was a for it. Yeah. So, this feeling of being touched out manifests differently for different moms and it's about being overstimulated. So we refer to it as touch because like you're holding the baby, you're nursing the baby, you're carrying the baby, you're doing all these things. And so you just don't want any more sensory input, which can then turn in with your relationship. You're not interested in intimacy. You don't want to hug. You don't want to kiss. You don't want to do anything. You just want your space. Or like, me alone. Yeah. yeah. And even if it's not just like physical space, sometimes like you don't even want to sit with them. You just want to like go into your bed and just watch something on your phone or just scroll mindlessly. Right. Like you just want right. to break from everything because you have sensory overload. You just don't want any more input. Right. And this manifests differently, like I said, for different moms on different levels. But the biggest toll that this plays is typically in the intimacy department where your partner is craving to have some of the intimate time that you had either pre-pregnancy or during pregnancy, and you're just not in the mood of any of it. And mom's libido and everything can also be affected by breastfeeding, different hormones, if they're taking birth control, the exhaustion piece, the mental load of everything going on in your head. It just happens based on so many things like that. Some moms don't struggle with that, Some moms have a flip side of their spouse suddenly um, viewing them differently as instead of like viewing them as their partner or wife, they view them as like mother of my child and like they, they have a hard time being intimate, but I'm going to 
talk a bit more about what the mom can do when she's struggling with it. So yeah. one thing is to tune into how you're filling your cup and taking care of yourself physically. So there's the part of doing self-care on an extra level, but there's also the part of like basic physical needs. So how much are you sleeping? Are you eating meals? Are you drinking water? Are you hydrated? Are you getting outside fresh air? Little things like that. And seeing where you might need to improve things a little bit for your physical health on a basic level and asking your partner to pitch in so that you can take care of these things. Mm -hmm. And when they see how them pitching in allows you to show up feeling a little bit more energized and refreshed, they'll notice and be encouraged to help you out more. And just having that open, honest conversation with them of, I really need this extra support. And then in terms of retuning into touch, you feel like you're doing so much for everyone else that then having physical intimacy with your partner feels like just another thing that you're doing for someone else. Even if it was something that you previously enjoyed, now for a lot of moms, it feels like it's something for their partner rather than them. And this isn't all moms. Like just a task at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's important to re-associate touch as something that you enjoy. So Mm -hmm. start off with it just being things for you. So that could be for some moms going for a manicure or pedicure or going for a massage. If you can't afford to go get a massage, ask your partner to give you a foot rub and say like, this is just a foot rub. It's not going anywhere. I just need to like have this and let them know that this is a step that you're taking to try to move things in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. And then once you start implementing touch into ways that you can enjoy for you, start introducing touch with your partner In smaller ways, so like sitting next to them on the couch, leaning your head into their shoulder, hugging um, when you're like kissing them if Mm -hmm. you're ready for that. And there is something called the six second kiss that John Gottman calls a kiss with potential and meaning that it doesn't have to lead anywhere, but it could. So, you know, making time to have little intimate moments and then seeing how you feel. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes you may need to speak to your doctor and see like, could it be associated with your birth control? Sometimes it has to do with breastfeeding and there may be some other things that you can do to mitigate the effects that your hormone levels are having. But there's also then working on your relationship from a friendship and fun standpoint When you start having fun again with your partner, you may find yourself getting in the mood a little bit more. So, you know, like watching comedy together, having that date night, you can't expect that if you're not investing time into your relationship and you're not having intentional moments that are meaningful to connect with each other, that suddenly when you have free time, you're interested in going full force into connecting physically. It doesn't work like that. So you have to work on the foundational parts, the, you know, emotional connection, the friendship part, and, you know, getting help from them, feeling like you're part, feeling like you are actually partners, not just in titles, but in doing things together and meeting each other and showing each other care and affection in ways that matter. And slowly you'll see things shift, which ties into something called the emotional bank account where we all relationships have this, let's say imaginary bank account where anytime we interact with each other or don't interact, like meaning like we ignore them or don't even notice them, we're making either deposits into our bank account or withdrawals from our bank account. So there's going to same way, like you can deposit a dollar or you can deposit a hundred dollars. You can withdraw a dollar. You can withdraw a hundred dollars different actions and interactions have different values. There's not an exact math to this, but like some things are obviously going to be more meaningful. So me not looking up from my phone is going to be a certain withdrawal. If like my husband walks into the house and I don't look up from my phone to like say, Hey, how was your day? Versus me yelling at him, let's say is going to be maybe a bigger withdrawal. Yeah. Makes sense. 
Well, I think it's called I think it's called the love tank in the love languages book or some it's it's a similar like concept of the of the bank. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much Shana for coming on. Can you just tell our listeners where they can find you on social media if they want to follow you cuz I'm sure everybody after listening to this episode wants to follow you cuz you just you just drop so much knowledge on us. Yeah. So you can find me over at Love After Baby. It's a play on words on like, you know, the the nursery rhyme that we sing, like first comes yeah. love, then comes marriage, even though that's not the way it always works nowadays, but then comes the baby. <laughs> so it's bringing the love back after baby. So yeah. at love after baby. And um, yeah, you can find me on there to follow along with posts. And then I have a course. I have a 30 day bring back the love challenge that's going on now. And it's live now, but by the time people hear this, it will have already happened, I think. Yeah. But it will always be available to go through it, just not necessarily a live run of it. Got it. And um, it has really different, tangible, basic tips every day for your relationship. It has a date idea, a journaling prompt, a relationship tidbit with a way to practically apply it to yourself a conversation starter and a self-care tip each day. And you don't have to do all of it. As long as you do something each day or something a few times a week, you're making deposits into your emotional bank account. And even when you do something for yourself, for your self-care, that's still a deposit into your overall bank account because then you're going to be able to show up as a better person, as a better you. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a great episode. I think a lot of people will be able to resonate with. So thank you. Thank you again, Liesl, for having me. All right. So that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.